Hi everyone, I'm really excited about this next topic on peptides. I have been playing around with peptides personally for several years now, but when I was in corporate medicine, I really couldn't prescribe them to patients. But now that I'm in private practice, I'm starting to prescribe more peptides and really seeing some wonderful results as other doctors do that prescribe peptides. There is a whole lot to unpack in this episode, and so I have divided it into two episodes. So we will finish this next week, and I will also have more to come in the future about peptides. Uh, before we get going, I do want to remind you that if you could go to Apple Podcast and put a review on there, if you enjoy this podcast, and the more reviews I get, that just helps me get more and more guests for you in the future. So thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is for general information only. It is not intended as a substitute for general health care services. If you have medical conditions, you need to see your doctor. Use of this information is at the user's own risk. Welcome to FitRx with Dr. Greg Dennis. Join me as we challenge the standard sick model of health care. This is your source for everything health, wellness, prevention, fitness, biohacking, and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of FitRx. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Dennis. We have uh, an exciting episode today. We're going to learn all about peptides. I've actually been wanting to do a show on peptides as it's just really kind of the new frontier in medicine. Uh, I've got an expert here to help us in this area, Dr. Kent Holtorf. Uh, he is the medical director of the Holtorf Medical Group and founder, a medical director of the nonprofit National Academy of Hypothyroidism, uh, founder of Integrative Peptides, which is dedicated to training physicians about groundbreaking peptide therapies and bringing doctors and patients the highest quality natural bioidentical peptides goes around the country speaking on peptides. He's been featured on multiple news outlets. So looking forward to what he has to share with us today. So Dr. Holtorf, welcome to the show. Hi, Greggy. Thanks so much for having me. Um, it's an honor and um, yeah, looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah. Well, so I'm always interested to know, um, and I don't think I mentioned in your bio that you are a uh, initially trained as an anesthesiologist and now you're in integrative medicine and doing, you know, more wellness and, and, and these peptides. So I'm always interested to know about, you know, a, a doctor's transition, you know, into more of the wellness space. So uh, just tell us how you went from being an anesthesiologist to now uh -huh. kind of being an expert on, on peptides. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I think it for many doctors is, that they get sick, their family member gets sick because, you know, going, I actually, I'll go back to even just growing up. Like there's, there was something wrong. Like I, mean, I could totally function and everything. I mean, I always had the worst memory of anyone I could ever imagine, but uh, like one pupil is always bigger than the other. I would be sweating on one side of my body and freezing cold at like Reynolds. My left arm would stop working. No one could figure out why. I, my dad had chronic fatigue syndrome before that ever had, you know, close to a name. My mom 
just sweated like crazy, even though she's on hormone, you know, so, so there was something going on. And um, as I went through um, medical school, uh, started feeling, hey, something's wrong here that I just can't function. I mean, it's not just, hey, I'm tired. It's I, I can't concentrate. I'm anxious. I never had anxiety before. I can't sleep. I'm getting, you know, neuropathy for what? Uh, and just, I thought, I, I can't talk to a patient. It was just overwhelming to me. And it went to, you know, all the um, university doctors and, you know, they're like, oh, you're distressed and depressed. Like, I'm not. And they gave me an antidepressant. Of course, it didn't work. I wasn't depressed. It was just, it was, I was, wasn't functioning. And, um, and I could just sleep 24 hours straight and still be so exhausted. And I'm like, I don't think I can continue medicine. So I looked and, you know, found out, okay, what is the specialty that I could, you know, that I looked at at the least hours and where I could actually, you know, get rest and, and have a set time and it turned out to be anesthesia. So I um, got into UCLA anesthesia which by the way, no offense to an anesthesiologist, but it's the most boring, mindless specialty ever known to man. And then I'm like, okay, I, I'm getting, so I can't do, especially you have to get up early. Uh, so I, you know, it's ingrained in you in medical school, you know, alternative is evil. It means no evidence. There's don't go to anything alternative. So I'm like, I got to do something because no one's helping me here. And, you know, you think you have the best doctors in, in the world at, you know, in, in your residency. And um, so uh, went to a bunch of so-called alternative, integrative, I hate the term alternative. I just really think we practice or, you know, better medicine, I guess, functional medicine. Um, but I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, they're more evidence-based than what they're teaching me in medicine, which actually, if you look, is actually true because, uh, Annals of Internal Medicine show once a number of studies have shown and JAMA actually showed that do most doctors are practicing 10 to 20 years behind what's available in the medical research. And they found why is that? And it takes on average a proven new therapy um, to get accepted into mainstream medicine takes on average 17 years, unless it's a new drug. It's a new drug with a sales force, gets adopted very quickly. But reason doctors don't read medical journals, they don't, they don't have the time, it doesn't help them, they don't change anything. But that's not the big reason. If you show a standard doctor, here's 10 studies, 20 studies, 50 studies, showing there's a better way of doing something, they don't want to hear it. Now, my patients are different, they're fine. Um, and it doesn't, doesn't get adopted. But so went to these, you know, so called alternative integrative conferences. And I found, you know, all my hormone levels were normal and my immune system was so-called normal and, but went on high dose T3, uh, growth hormone, testosterone, immune modulators. And I'm like, I'm a new person, damn. And so, and then I'm like, okay, I'm getting out of this anesthesia and started and opened up, took over uh, went and did family practice, took over family practice and just started treating patients like myself, uh, then ended up opening, opening 22 centers and nine franchises, you know, treating these patients who are called crazy and uh, being able, able to help them. We published our outcomes. Um, it was fibromyalgia fatigue centers. We did um, 
500 initial study with 500 chronic fatigue center fibromyalgia patients that had seen on average 7.2 physicians without any improvement. Now that number is probably 15 or more with what we see. We just, we're kind of, I think we're more medical detectives and we treat the mystery illnesses that no one else could figure out now, but, um, and like 90 plus percent got significantly better. 68% got dramatically better by the fourth visit. They doubled their sense of well-being and, and energy. Um, and then we followed it up with a multi-center 5,000 patient study and, and really came out uh, essentially the same. So really started doing that. Then went through, and so I still had an underlying, wrong. I was functioning fine. But, you know, there's still signs looking back that, hey, it wasn't totally normal, went through a stressful divorce. And we can talk about how stress is, especially emotional stress, really messes up the immune system. It doesn't suppress the immune system. It modulates it uh, in a bad way. And all of a sudden, bed bound, just sweating, neuropathy, uh, immune activation of coagulation. My blood was so thick, you couldn't draw it. To, to draw any blood, uh, even with like a 14 gauge needle. Um, then I went into heart failure. I could not stand up upright. I could not, you know, it would take me 45 minutes to walk up 10 flights of stairs. Uh, and I'm just like, I can't live like this. And the you know, cardiologist said, you know, in 10 years, maybe you can get 10% better. I'm like, like, forget it. And I just figured I'm going to off myself, you know, every Halloween, I thought about that. Um, and I said, I got to do something and went around the world at one mile an hour, bent over, you know, half bent over and just did lots of crazy treatments. Some things really helped. And then I found peptides in Europe and I took them and just kind of went, went about my ways. And all of a sudden I'm like, I just walked up those stairs. Wait, I'm standing upright, you know, like, wait a minute. And then so we kind of stayed there, started kind of experimenting with them, uh, used them here. I couldn't use them on my patients because you can't use them from overseas, but uh, I was, I was kind of back and I'm like, wow. And then they got, became available here. And so they become really the core of our treatment. And we're, you know, we're a big Lyme center, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia. You know, we have ALS patients walking in uh, in wheelchairs are now jogging. And of course, neurologist just says, oh, misdiagnosis. And really back to normal. And I walk into the cardiologist's office a year later and he's like, wow, you look pretty good, you know, and does the echo. I goes, well, it's normal. And does he even ask what I did? No, really. Like we were like in terms of treating Lyme and I had the Lyme, Babesia, Bartonella, Babesia is probably the worst, highest dose, three and a half years of the highest dose IV antibiotics that I would never give a patient, like doing seven at a time, uh, five to seven at a time, three times a dose, uh, very risky, end up in the ICU twice with, with sepsis, even on that. Uh, and my levels were like an AIDS patient. I remember the nurse were doing a, ch a shift change. I hear him outside the door. This is the AIDS patient who keeps turning up negative for AIDS, you know? And so I basically prayed to God. I'm not very religious, but I prayed to God. I know it's a woman because she hates me, but uh, I said, take everything, get me better, you know? And she fulfilled her promise. You know, when your white fires go, you're all red, you know, you're you're not going to have much left, but it's true that money's worth nothing when you're sick. 
And we have so many people that are sick with these multi-system illnesses that their doctors just blow them off. They just you know, say, oh, it's all psychological. You know, if a doctor can't treat it, it doesn't exist. Um, they don't have time to treat it. They don't want to treat it. They don't believe in it because if they believe in it, now they got to treat it. Now they're a bad doctor because they can't treat it. So it's, it's a tough situation. And so many people are sick. I'm telling you 20 years ago, not that many people were sick. Every you know cocktail party I go to people just come up and go, Oh, I'm so sick or my daughter. And I've been all these doctors, you know, and, uh, you didn't see that before. So do you feel like it was one or two peptides in particular that, that caused you to turn the corner or, or was it a, just a, a multitude of things? You know, it, it's, a you know, and peptides along with other things, you know, and a lot of other hormones are important too. And, and all the peptides work great together, mm -hmm. but if I had to say it's a, you know, the immune modulatory peptides are really the key because you look at um, like we can, you know, people will say, oh, doctors, you go to a, you know, who's in charge of treating, you know, fibromyalgia is chronic fatigue, rheumatologist, which is crazy. So they, oh, there's no tests. Well, if you don't do the right test, you know, we can, we, we generally do about 40 tests on people when they come in. And when you look at aging, as we age, your thymus in the, which is in your breastbone, involute. So it basically just turns into kind of fat and shrivels up. And it it's basically control of a huge part of your adaptive immune system. And when you don't have this, you get what's called a TH1 to TH2 shift. So think about TH1 getting stuff inside the cell and TH2 getting stuff outside the cell. Normally they're balanced. And when you don't have the thymus, you're TH1 goes down, your TH2 goes up, which causes lots of inflammation, autoimmunity. Then you add a chronic infection. So what, let's say you get Lyme. So Lyme goes in, it starts suppressing that TH1, then it goes inside the cell, and now it's in there and your body can't fight the intracellular infection. It's trying to fight it with this TH2 with all this inflammation. Uh, again, an auto autoimmune disease, degenerative diseases, and actually it's TH17, but I don't want to get too uh, uh, complicated. But the thymic peptides, so thymus and alpha-1, which really isn't available anymore, uh, thymus and beta-4, uh, TB4 frag, which is a fragment of that. Uh, and these, are, these come from the thymus, um, and they'll kind of snap those back. There's also thymogen, thymulin, a uh, number of different ones, but the big ones were thymus and alpha one and TB and thymus and beta four and TB four frag uh, modulating those. And then BPC 157, which is probably the most popular one, which is thought of a gut hormone, but we'll talk more about that, but it, it lowers that TH2. And they're also mitochondrial boosters. And, you know, I take peptides for that uh, brain peptides. I mean, I had, you know, the worst memory ever. I'd go out, I'd try to, you know, rally, go to a dinner with, with my, uh, with my wife. And in the next day she go, Oh, remember so I'm like, who are they? Like, what are you talking about? Uh, I go, I've never heard of them. Never met them. We went to dinner with them last night, you know? So, uh, unique peptides can control those things. 
And there's, uh, you know, uh, but the immune modulators are key to illness. And as soon as that thymus drops, that's when the diseases of aging start. Even the CDC states that 80% of the population um, over age 45 have at least one disease of aging due to thymic involution, the lack of thymic peptide. So it's like, why not just give thymic peptide to everyone? And, yeah. and it's true. Let's, uh, let's, you know, I guess we'll get into the, the different kind of peptides, but uh, I guess before we do, uh, just so that everybody who's listening kind of has a foundation, if you will, kind of just define what peptides are. I mean, there may be people out there just saying. Yeah, and I know I get, get ahead of myself here and I get excited about it because, um, <laughs> you know, they save my life. And that's kind of why we're doing what we do and, and give back. Yeah. So, you know, the whole thing, remember, it used to be, uh, you know, hormones are the master controllers and, and that, and they are certainly we use hormones all the time, but I think hormones written a number of review articles on that. And thyroid is a lifesaver. And we have our nonprofit, the National Academy of Hypothyroidism, which um, written a number of reviews with, you know, 500 references showing the way that we're diagnosing and treating hypothyroidism in this country is wrong. So many people are low thyroid. If you have any chronic illness, inflammation, stress, toxins, pesticides, plastics, BPA, drinking a plastic water bottle, your thyroid's low. If you've dieted, if you're obese, if you have diabetes, if you have depression, you're low thyroid, but you're also have immune dysfunction. So those are for that. But well, what is a peptide? Well, a peptide is a chain of amino acids and just arbitrarily, it was if they were shorter than 50 amino acids in length, they're a peptide. If they're longer than 50, they were a protein. And then, but the, the FDA cut it to 40 to be a peptide. And, and so that way they could eliminate thymus and alpha one, which they hated it with the fact that people were using it for COVID and it was working and it's totally, and they're totally safe. I mean, you give the studies show they can't find a toxic dose with, with uh, most of these peptides, like a thousand times a dose, like try that with anything, Tylenol water, you're going to, you're going to die. Um, and so very non-toxic. And so they're, they're basically found that they're kind of in hormones, basically they're secreted from afar. They go into the cells, into the cell nucleus. Um, and then they go to the DNA and change protein synthesis. So they're slow on, slow off. The peptides work on the cell surface and they act as a signaling um, mechanism that more similar to vitamins where they have what's called pleiotropic effect. They have many effects and it just kind of spreads out from there. And so they'll work, you know, even uh, epigenetically where, you know, turn genes on, turn genes off. They'll uh, fix mitochondria, lower inflammation, um, again, modulate that immune system, boost that Th1 that's low in most everyone, lower that, lower that Th2, uh, activate healing and regenerative genes. And it, it's kind of scary that, you know, when I, when I give talks, I kind of 
hesitate, but I can't help giving like all these, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of studies on all these. And, and, uh, and it's kind of like snake oil because, well, how could it do all these things? You know, like BPC, it's like, you know, it heals so many things and people are like, I can't believe this, but here's all the, the references right here because they've been used for 50 years in, in Europe, uh, especially the Eastern Bloc, but you can't patent them. Um, because they've been out too long. So no drug company is going to bring them out. So doctors don't know about them. And also, so all of a sudden they've they kind of caught on and quickly because people realized it's changed the way they practice medicine. And, and so that there's different classes. I'll try, let's say there's the immune modulatory peptides. There's um, again, thymus and alpha one, which is kind of going away. Um, thymus and beta four. So thymus and beta, uh, thymus and alpha one, think of increasing TH1. Thymus and beta four uh, and TB4 frag, which is the oral version, which has all the effects, but it doesn't stimulate mast cells like TB4 full length can, but it raises TH1 and lowers TH2. And then um, also has more regenerative properties. And then BPC-157, body protection compound, which is in the gut, uh, lowers that TH2. But you know BPC-157 is really known as a gut peptide because that's where it is. It, it lives in the gut. It's totally resistant to enzymatic degradation, resistant to uh, stomach acid, where most uh, peptides get broken down. And, but it does absorb um, and is equal potent to injectable for systemic, for one study they did, same study they did for inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's, ulcerative colitis and um, MS. And they found it, you know, worked significantly in both cases, you know, in the same study. So it, it, it works systemically. Yeah, Let's it's great for so many things. Yeah. So if, if we can, uh, let's, let's, let's take a few, you know, kind of groups of peptides and I'm going to start out with the ones that I'm familiar with, which are kind of some of the basic ones. And then, and then I'll probably have you maybe explain a little bit more about the thymosin ones that you, you mentioned here briefly. But when, when, when I talk to people about peptides, probably the most common, uh, types of peptides that, that people are most familiar with is the, the growth hormone-like peptides, sermorellin, uh, mm-hmm. ipamorellin, you know, things like that. And those are the ones that I've kind of messed around with personally. Let's kind of start with that one if we can, and just kind of talk about those type of peptides, kind of what they do, you know, what benefit people might be able to see from those kind of peptides. Yeah. So, you know, growth hormone basically it's, it's not a great term. I think healing hormones, a better term. And it got a bad name because bodybuilders were using it and enabling them to not only recover, but also build muscle mass. And they were considered performance enhancing and taking way too much uh, growth hormone releasing hormones and growth hormone releasing peptides. So there's two kind of classes of those. They work a little different different, um, differently, but they, and they're very synergistic. So if you take one, let's say you get a raise in growth hormone of, you know, one X and you take another one, one X, uh, but you add them together. Now you get five X. So like the biggest one, the most popular is, uh, CJC epimoralin. Uh, but there's a lot 
a lot of different ones and they all have, you know, some different side effects. The CJC epimoralin is probably the cleanest. And so it's going to raise your body, stimulate your body to make its own growth hormone. And it's much safer, you know, it's more physiologic. It's much safer because you can't overdose. If you take too much, it doesn't just keep increasing. You know, we would have people come in and I remember early on, we'd have some, you know, we try not to treat any bodybuilders or anything like that, but they're taking hundred times the dose of anabolic steroids and growth hormone and things like that. But you, you can't, you can do that on, on these, but you're just wasting your money. So they're just gonna, they're just gonna optimize. And if you're not low, it's not going to raise it much, but if you're really low, it's going to raise it more. Uh, it's kind of like BPC is very interesting. BPC 157, body protection compound 157. It's kind of a homeostatic peptide in that if you have high blood pressure, it brings it down. If you have low blood pressure, it brings it up. Let's say if you clot too much, it brings it, it makes you clot less. If you clot, um, if not enough, it, it helps you clot. So, um, you know, kind of that, the, the peptides are kind of that fine tuning of the body. But so those are used, yeah, to boost growth hormone. And, and um, these uh, in this particular class um, are, are just injectable, correct? Uh, there, there is a, an oral version, but it, um, uh, it makes people, it's, it's a ghrelin analog, which it makes people so hungry. It's like, um, and these are the hardcore, you know, people training and they're carrying celery sticks because they're starving, but, but they can't oh, wow. eat. But uh, in general, they're, those yeah, are, are injectable. So who, while we're still in this category, who would be a, you know, a good candidate for, for this type of a peptide? Yeah. And, and by the way, BPC-157 increases growth hormone receptors on the cells. So you get more bang for your buck with it. So growth hormone, we find, I, I think the standard person isn't going to notice much difference. It's the sick people, the chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia patients, people with a lot of inflammation. You know, myself, I, I tend to get uh, a lot of water retention with it just personally, uh, which, which some people do. No studies ever shown, uh, did a review on, on growth hormone and efficacy and safety. And people say cancer, you know, um, because it goes to the liver increases what's called insulin-like growth factor one, which is how it mainly works, which basically is kind of that anabolic effect that it can stimulate cancers. But Growth hormone also stimulates IGF-BP3 and is anti-cancer. No study has ever shown that growth hormone increases cancer. I just want to throw that in there. Yeah, everyone, I'm, glad you, you know, I'm glad you said that because I was actually going to ask you about that. I mean, uh, there's a guy, he's out in your area somewhere, Walter Longo, uh, you know, who has put some stuff out. And I've heard him say, you know, he, he thinks that your IGF-1, you know, the lower your IGF-1, the better as far as the longevity and so there are some people in that camp. And so I was going to oh, ask no, there, you about there, that. There is a lot of, when it comes to longevity, a lot of conflicting studies on IGF-1. And you look at the longest lived people, they have low IGF-1. But I think for the standard person, if you have low IGF-1, you're tend to going to be sicker. It's a sign of hypothalamic pituitary dysfunction which um, 
uh, you'll find the, those patients have lots of traumatic brain injury, uh, chronic inflammation, and multi-system illness. But it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting uh, in terms of, yeah, is it, but, you know, one of the, you know, the studies came out on longevity and they were using growth hormone, you know, with metformin and, you know, uh, and it increased longevity. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things. It, there's, there's controversy to it, right, certainly. Right, right. So you're saying for this particular class of peptide, um, people who are, are sick, you know, like use fibromyalgia has a lot of inflammation. They, they're the ones yeah. that could, and, could really and, benefit from, from this. And other people will notice if they, if they work out, they'll notice a difference. Same thing, especially with BPC 157, it's very good at recovery. So, uh, the growth hormone, you know, secretagogues, growth hormone boosters and, and BPC are great for that, you know, weekend serious warrior that wants to recover, gain lean muscle. And then the thymocins also will, uh, increase muscle mass and you got mitochondrial peptides, which help you. So, um, then you've got the melanocortins and the fragment KPV, which lowers inflammation. I mean, there's so many ways to go yeah, um, okay. with them. And the nice thing is you can't really screw up because they're all just so safe. They're, you know, people just feel better with them. And for instance, like your thymosin beta four, you know, declines as you age, of course, because your thymus involutes and with sepsis, it's non-existent. But if you give it to septic patients, they do dramatically better. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, gets very it gets very convoluted. But yeah, so the growth hormone um, we found, and some people feel better with straight growth hormone other than the secretagogues. Uh, but a little trick, probably the best thing for sleep is the combination of delta sleep inducing peptide. Okay. That kind of makes sense. Right. Uh, but it's not a sleep medication. It's not that you take it and all of a sudden you go to sleep. It lowers inflammation in the hypothalamus and which then allows an, um, your basically sleep center to work better. You do that with a growth hormone secretagogue or growth hormone along with epitalin or pineal, which is the pineal hormone, which actually stimulates melatonin, but it goes over and above that in that it, it really, you know, people of insomnia generally have inflammation of the hypothalamus and things that can lower that inflammation, brain inflammation, which then also gets along to the cerebral lysin we love, C-Lank, uh, C-Max, and I know it gets very convoluted and everyone's like, okay, what the hell is he talking about now? But um, I'll, I'll try to try to keep it straight, but they work all, all together. But like, like okay. that triad is people that don't sleep. And I'm kind of a person, I never slept in my life. You know, I, I can sleep now because I, I do those things. So and, again, and this sleep is a lifesaver. So on the, on the growth hormone peptides, do you monitor the, the IGF-1? For, for people who are on those? Yeah, we, we'll look for low. Um, and it's certainly not my go-to initial because I think other things work so much better, but it is a very popular one. People understand it. People, you know, they've known growth hormone for so long, but um, a lot of people definitely benefit uh, from it. And again, I, I think, uh, I think 
The number one is chronic fatigue syndrome patients. You'll find also with low growth hormone, they'll have low blood pressure, almost, you know, the POTS patients are usually low growth hormone. They'll get hypoglycemic. That's a sign of one, low adrenals and low growth hormone. Um, and, uh, and people who actually, you know, work out and can tell the difference. Those, I think, um, are the ones that mostly benefit, you know, the multi-system illness uh, as well. But we'll find when we treat the immune dysfunction and the inflammation, then the growth hormone goes up in the sleep, but we sometimes use growth hormone for sleep too. So it, you know, they all, everything's interconnected. Gotcha. Okay. Well, let's, let's jump. Cause you've mentioned several times the BPC 157. That's another one that I'm somewhat familiar with and that I've taken myself. So as, as you said, this is the, uh, I always refer to it as the healing peptide and it, it was uh, available in injections. I don't know if you can still find the injections now, but also available in oral. And I actually have that now uh, orally in my clinic. And so talk about that kind of why it works. I mean, how it, how it expedites healing and, and then maybe the people who could benefit uh, most from the BPC-157. Yeah, so BPC-157, so it's a 15 amino acid strand which you would think wouldn't absorb because it's, it's too big. Usually it's three amino acids or less uh, are needed to absorb. And even then they may not, but it's unique just the way it, it, the confirmation of it. But people think of it as, let's talk about the gut first, because that's what it was kind of thought of as. It really protects the gut. And that's how it was kind of discovered. So well, why is this gut protected, for instance, from the stomach acid? And it... Uh, but it also absorbs and is equal potent to injection for systemic illness. But speaking of, with the gut, let's say you have inflammatory bowel disease, any uh, gastric gastritis, gastric lesions, or GERD, it actually will will tighten the upper esophageal sphincter and lower the lower esophageal sphincter. Uh, or the gastric, tighten the upper gastric sphincter and, and loosen the lower. So really great for GERD. And so if someone has GERD, open up the capsules, put it in water and drink it. And that works, that works really well. Also women with incontinence and so many women have stress incontinence, which, you know, they, for years, I didn't know it was that prevalent because they would never tell me hanging out with my wife's girlfriends. I found out it is a major problem is that it will tighten those sphincters and heal those. And so they don't have that stress incontinence, but it, it will protect the liver. Let's say someone's on, you know, chronic non-steroidals or chronic antibiotics, or, you know, even just all the toxins, uh, it will protect against mycotoxins, you know, mold toxins. Um, and then you look systemically, it works for MS, um, ligaments, uh, they severed a, you know, a, they do horrible things to these rats, but uh, sciatic nerve, the ones they didn't give uh, BPC to didn't heal the ones they did, it grew back. It's pretty amazing stuff. And, and it sounds again, a little like snake oil, because it kind of does everything, but it really stimulates growth factors. And it works for for wounds, it modulates pain pathways. It increases serotonin production. A few studies showed it outperformed antidepressants. Uh, again, traumatic brain injury, Parkinson's, 
it, uh, it, you know, I think anyone playing football or, or these things, uh, they should be on it, you know, as a, as a preventive measure. And then all the things the, of the uh, gastrointestinal tract, um, again, gastritis, any inflammation. Um, it's, uh, oh, it interestingly also shown to reduce arrhythmias. Our um, executive director's husband came in and he had AFib. He wasn't feeling well. I feel his pulse. I'm like, you got AFib. And so I gave him a big shot of BPC and it broke. So it's great. It lowers the PR interval, which probably most people don't understand that, but it comes into play, especially in the world of COVID, where some of these meds increase that interval, which makes you more likely to have arrhythmia. So it, it lowers that, but it, um, it's really kind of the overall healing hormone. Yeah. I had always, when I'd taken it in the past, I always waited and I guess until I got hurt and then I would take it. But the more people I talk to in the longevity space, I'm finding out that a lot of people are just taking this just indefinitely, you know, c continuously just for the, the longevity benefits of, of everything, you know, you're, you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole, you know, look at, you know, theories of aging, which I won't go into, but, you know, inflammatory aging, you know, everything's inflammation and we're being bombarded with, you know, toxins and EMFs and these, you know, mold and pesticides, plastics, all these things are just toxins and they're causing mitochondrial dysfunction. So you have low cellular energy, but when you get that and when your cells go into what's called senescence is that they go into the state where they're not functioning and, but it's worse. You want to get rid of those. It's called senolytics, which is a whole nother very, very interesting topic. You're going to hear more about that uh, shortly, but the mitochondria, they start pumping out all this oxidative stress, reactive oxygen species. And so a lot of these things um, will work, either get rid of those cells, what you want to do, or heal them or bring them back. And the senescent cells are actually, they're like infectious and they cause normal cells to become senescent. For some, for instance, uh, persons over 60, they're probably about 40% senescent cells. And if you get rid of those, dramatic improvement in, uh, also with diabetes, a lot of senescent cells um, that you know, all these diseases of aging, diabetes, heart failure, with heart failure, about more than half of your, of the heart cells are senescent. So either you fix them or you get rid of them. And so all these peptides are some key players in that. Um, what is the, so if you're taking um, like a, a orals, like what I have, is there a best way to take those? I mean, you take them on an empty stomach in the morning. Yeah, I, I think it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think empty stomach is better. You know, we find people it does work either way. And, and, you know, we give a lot out at conferences and to friends and um, say someone, as you can tell, are limping uh, at a conference, we'll, we'll give it to them. And uh, next day they come back and like, oh my God, my, my knee's better. And, uh, and it was funny, I was just kind of hanging out at one of our booths at the lectures. This doctor who I didn't know at the time, Dr. Tringali, who just, loves her product she just walked up and goes bpc makes everything work better and it does it kind of it's very synergistic with everything else as well mm -hmm. and you know 
and, and when you lower inflammation, everything does work better. And is there a particular dose of that that you recommend? Oh yeah. So, so with it is that, you know, you don't have to worry about overdose. If someone's like really sick uh, or has, let's say inflammatory bowel disease, like I'll start even at three caps, three times a day, you know, and do that for a couple of weeks. And then as they get the effect come down where most drugs and most everything, you start low and go up, which is fine. But, um, and those are 500 micrograms, but cause we're used to doing that, but the standard dose for people, a lot of people take one a day, or if you want to be a little more aggressive, even though it's not aggressive, cause you could take, you know, five bottles, it's not going to hurt you is uh, one twice a day. Mm-hmm. And now studies show that they work in, in, in picomolar doses. So, I mean, tiny, tiny, I mean, these are, so you think of supplements are in, are in milligrams, these are micrograms. So a thousand times less. So they're very potent, but you go a thousand times less than that and they even work. So um, it's not that you have to slam the patient. I'm pretty ADD and, you know, I figure we need to get the patient better in two visits or they may not come back. Um, That's our job. So I'll hit them a little harder, but uh, we find that they work well at low dose as well as, you know, higher doses. Okay. Very good. Thank you for listening to FitRx. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifedc.com or you can email me at drgreg at vibrantlifedc.com.